You're listening to an episode of the C19 Podcast, a production by scholars from around the world that explores the past, present, and the future through the United States in the long 19th century. In this episode, Renee Trevino and Ashley Short discuss the life and literature of California writer Ida H. Addis, presenting recent discoveries that go a long way towards solving the mystery of what happened to her after her supposed disappearance in 1900. Ida Hillis Addis might very well be the least known late 19th century woman writer with the most interesting life story. Placing her career highlights alongside the personal struggles, public scandals, and legal troubles she experienced paints a picture of an untimely end to a prolific writing career. She published dozens of short stories in California periodicals, endured a widely publicized failed engagement, adapted and translated Mexican and Spanish folklore, and published a high-profile piece in Harper's New Monthly magazine that she viewed as tarnished by intrusive editing. Addis also produced a substantial work of local California history, penned provocative Gothic stories containing feminist themes, and married and shortly thereafter divorced, in a very public trial, a prominent Santa Barbara politician and lawyer. From that point on, Addis was convicted of criminal libel, charged with attempted murder, and was even rumored to have committed double homicide and a string of dog poisonings. Compared in her youth to the famed woman of letters Madame de Stal, by 1900, when Ada seemingly disappeared from the historical record, she was dubbed the Crazy Lady of Santa Barbara. Hello, I'm Dr. René H. Trevino, Associate Professor of English at California State University, Long Beach. And my name is Ashley Short. I'm a lawyer and amateur genealogist. Today, we are going to introduce you to Addis and discuss her contributions to U.S. literary history, as well as how her personal life, particularly her relationships with men, intersected with her work. Renee, tell us a little bit about Addis and her work. Certainly. So over the course of her relatively brief career, Addis published over 100 works of literature, at least as far as we know, that include poems, a frequently cited volume of local California history, original, adapted, and translated short fiction, and bilingual journalism that appeared in U.S. and in Mexican periodicals. She does have some literary highlights, and those are, at least in my estimation, The Wailing Woman, this is from 1888, and it's perhaps the first English adaptation of the well-known Mexican folktale of La Llorona, and The Picture of the Priest from 1891, and A Human Tigress from 1893. And those are two late career pieces of original Gothic fiction in which female characters use murder to counteract male sexual license. Up until fairly recently, Addis's work was largely forgotten, but scholars from different generations have made claims for the value of her literature. Literary historian and Addis contemporary Ella Sterling Miggles provides us with one such example. When she writes about Addis, quote, There seems to be no limit to her mental industry or to her creative industry. Someday, when she has laid her pen down wearily and gone to sleep, someone will discover these pictures and portraitures of Californian life, and gathering them up will present them to the world, which will wonder and then exalt the genius who gave them birth. End quote. 
Another example comes from 20th century scholar Gustav O. Arlt, who, following a positive assessment of Addis's short fiction, writes the following. He says, quote, It is therefore all the more fitting we should honor her memory and perhaps to encourage a few readers to seek out her works in the libraries and to convince themselves of her worth, end quote. Here, we're not making claims of genius on Addis's behalf, but we are, like Arlt, hoping to encourage listeners to seek out her best work, which enriches our understanding of 19th century U.S. literature, in particular Western and transnational writing, Mexican and Spanish folklore, and supernatural fiction. So, Renee, given that Addis and her work have largely been forgotten, how did you first come across her? So I first came across Addis's work when I was writing my dissertation, which is titled Panther Nation, Big Cats and Biopolitics in 19th Century America. And what I was trying to do in this project is trace the presence and function of big cats in multicultural U.S. literature and explore how a culture's relationship to non-humans, as it's represented in its literature and oral traditions, informs its subject formation processes and social structuring practices. I have this idea, and I take it to my dissertation committee, and one of my committee members was Alfred Ben Dixon. Listeners might know him as the founder and executive director of the American Literature Association, and he was the one that recommended I read Addis's A Human Tigress. A Human Tigress is a strange, interesting story about a woman-jaguar hybrid who roams the Mexican countryside killing sexually threatening men, and it was this story that inspired me to research for my dissertation the symbolic role of the jaguar in Borderlands literature, and my interest in Addis's work grew from that point. What about you? How did you come across her, and what made you want to learn more about her? I came to Ida Addis from a very different place. One of my genealogical loose ends was what had happened to my fourth great-grandfather's younger brother, who was a man called Jefferson Short. Jefferson had not stayed in southern Indiana, where the rest of the family lived. I found a record of a Jefferson Short who set out on a gold hunting expedition from Lexington, Missouri in 1850. And this seemed like he could be the Jefferson Short I was looking for. So I kept digging. By 1860, he was living in Leavenworth, Kansas, next door to his daughter, Sarah, her husband, Alfred Addis, and their two-year-old daughter, Ida. One fundamental tenet of genealogical research is that when you are looking for information on one person, you need to learn everything you can about the people around them, their network, because that information could lead you to your answer. So I set about researching Jefferson's children, including Sarah, and soon learned that her daughter Ida had led a really fascinating life. She had spent a part of her childhood in Mexico, became a fairly well-known writer in Los Angeles, and eventually saw her life implode completely and publicly. The other intriguing side note about Ida Addis was that nobody seemed to know what had happened to her after about 1900. This was three years ago, and what really started out as a sideline to my primary research eventually took on a life all its own. Before we continue, I have to ask, what did you discover about Addis's grandfather? Are you related to Ida Addis? So I'm fairly confident that Addis's grandfather was in fact my ancestor's brother. That would make her my second cousin three times removed, which is a very distant relationship but she certainly makes for a colorful addition to the family tree.
Addis was born in Leavenworth in the Kansas Territory around 1857, in the tumultuous lead-up to the Civil War. We don't know very much about her early life, except that her home life was unstable. Her father, Alfred Shea Addis, worked variously as a tailor, a photographer, and later as a theater owner. He was also an apparent bigamist. Sometime around the end of the war, in the mid-1860s, he abandoned his wife, Sarah, and their children, marrying and having three additional children with another woman. He eventually abandoned his second family as well and remarried Sarah in 1868 without having obtained a divorce from his second wife. Not long afterward, when Addis was about 12, the family moved to Mexico. She and her brother apparently had little or no formal schooling during this time, instead leading what Addis would later describe as a, quote, free, active life outdoors. Although the family remained in Mexico for only three years, the country would figure prominently in her later writing. In 1872, the family migrated to Los Angeles, California, where Addis attended high school and would go on to become one of seven members of the first graduating class of Los Angeles High School in 1875. While in school, Addis distinguished herself as an excellent student and promising writer. She won a spelling match sponsored by the Ladies' Aid Society, earned $28 at a local writing competition in the category of Best Original Poem and Composition, and had her juvenile poems published in newspapers such as the Los Angeles Express and Herald. After graduation, Addis taught in the local public schools for a number of years before devoting herself entirely to writing around 1881. Addis's writing career began with her short story, Dr. Kraft's Mistake, published in May 1880 in the San Francisco weekly periodical Argonaut. The piece features the recurring theme in her early work of romance, fulfilled or unrequited, between characters of different nationalities. In the story, the titular Dr. Kraft ruins his romantic prospects with an American school teacher when he abandons his courtship of her after meeting a charming and beautiful Spanish woman. Addis would return to the theme of love across national lines in her two most widely republished works, Ramon's Romance from 1882 and Roger's Luck from 1885, and again as late into her career as 1892 with An American Husband which portrays a successful marriage between an American man and Mexican woman. Aside from romances, Addis also published conventional Gothic short stories that feature haunted houses, demonic figures, supernatural occurrences, and the well-worn trope of a ghost appearing in order to reveal or avenge a crime. This early work offers fine, even entertaining, examples of the respective subgenres, but it lacks the feminist social commentary that appears in Addis's later work. Around 1885, Addis returned to Mexico, where she worked for the English-language newspaper The Two Republics and as a correspondent for the Los Angeles Times, reporting on Mexican culture. She would remain in Mexico for five years. 
As we will discuss, while this period of her life was fruitful professionally, it also saw her involved in a number of disputes that pitted her word against that of powerful men. In 1887 and 1888, papers in Los Angeles and San Francisco widely reported that Addis intended to sue former California Governor John Downey for breach of promise for a failed engagement. According to Addis, Downey, who was a wealthy widower some 30 years her senior, had courted her several years earlier, but when his family got wind of the relationship, they intercepted her letters and eventually spirited Downey off to San Francisco, blocking all further contact. While it appears that third parties were aware of the relationship, Downey, when he emerged back into the public eye in 1888, flatly denied it, calling Addis's story, quote, a pack of lies. Addis never filed a lawsuit, and the story died when Downey married his housekeeper a few months later. The next year, Addis had a similarly public run-in with the famous essayist, Charles Dudley Warner. During her travels in Mexico, Addis had noticed a distinctive style of iridescent pottery reminiscent of pottery made in 16th century Italy. She spent a year researching where and how it was made, eventually traveling to a remote town to interview the artists who produced it. Her account of her trip was published in Harper's New Monthly magazine in 1889, a major accomplishment for a young writer. But there was a significant change. A new introduction credited Warner, the editor of the magazine, with bringing the pottery to Addis's attention, reducing Addis to a minor figure in what she viewed as her own story. As she had done in the Downey affair, Addis fought back publicly, sending open letters to Warner demanding an explanation. While media coverage was sympathetic to Addis, Warner never issued a correction, and once again, Addis never received the public vindication she sought. Despite those personal and professional hardships, Addis's time in Mexico was especially productive. Making use of her knowledge of Spanish, which had been useful to her when teaching in Los Angeles, Addis began publishing adaptations and translations of traditional Spanish and Mexican folktales. Writing in English but including a handful of Spanish dialogue or words in each text, Addis published versions of work by writers including Pedro Antonio de Alarcón, José Gómez de la Cortina, Manuel Paino, Antonio de Trueba, Vicente Riva Palacio, and Juan de Dios Pesa. The majority of such works are fairly straightforward translations, but for two in particular, The Wailing Woman from 1888 and Alone on the Sea from 1884, Addis altered the source material to include feminist themes. In The Wailing Woman, Addis upends the victim-victimizer role common to the folktale La Llorona making the story's male character the villain instead of the woman who, abandoned by the man, commits infanticide. In Alone on the Sea, swimming instructor José Andrés rescues a woman from drowning, but only after he threatens to refuse aid unless she reciprocates his love. Once safe, the woman breaks her promise. And years later, the two cross paths on the same beach where the initial encounter took place, but the woman does not recognize the now haggardly José who takes her first swim and, after revealing his identity, 
enacts his revenge, in his mind of course, by drowning her. Addis closes the story with a note that highlights the irony of how traditional versions of the tale portray him as, quote, a hero, a paragon, a martyr, and the poor victim of his presumption, a traitress, end quote. During that same period, Addis also began publishing journalism and travel writing, most of which concerns Mexico. She argues, for instance, for an increase in economic trade between the U.S. and Mexico. And that's in a piece titled Mexican Horticulture and Reciprocity. And subverting the common stereotype of Mexico as an underdeveloped, culturally backwards country, she describes how several cities in Mexico measure up to the bustling metropolises of the U.S. That's in a piece titled Ida Addis's Letter. By publishing some of her journalism in periodicals based in Mexico City, Addis participated in a social movement during which an increasing number of women writers entered the publishing industry. Expanded opportunities for women to receive formal education led to a rise in literacy rates among them, which, in turn, contributed to their higher rate of participation in newspaper publishing. Addis, writing for the Mexico City periodicals Two Republics, Diario del Hogar, and El Partido Liberal, shared a role with many pioneering women writers in enriching Mexico City's publishing scene. Her pride in her work and her awareness of how it defies convention is evident in her referring to herself in print as, quote, a newspaper man, end quote. In 1890, Addis married Charles A. Stork, a prominent attorney who would become the mayor of Santa Barbara, California. The marriage failed quickly and spectacularly. Addis filed for divorce after only 11 months, claiming that Stork's extreme cruelty had driven her to a suicide attempt. Stork, she said, verbally and physically abused her and failed to provide for her basic support and maintenance. Addis's aunt, Mary, testified that on one occasion, she had witnessed Stork throw Addis on the bed and shake her. Mary also testified that Stork had tried to poison Addis. For his part, Stork claimed that Addis was insane. The divorce trial was a public sensation with newspapers across the state reporting daily on the proceedings. Despite the wishes of both parties, the judge denied them a divorce, declaring Addis sane and her allegations untrue. A second try was more successful, and the pair were officially divorced in 1895, although appeals and disputes over alimony dragged on for many more years. With the increase in marital hardships from 1890 to 1895, Addis's literary output decreased in proportion, but she nonetheless managed during this period to produce, not coincidentally I think, some of her most feminist work. In 1891, Addis published The Picture of the Priest. Conventionally gothic in many ways, but bold in its depiction of lascivious men meeting violent ends. The story, set in Mexico City, was narrated by an American woman named Adelida. Importantly, Adelida, when spelled out, is a near anagram for Ida Addis, but more on that later. Adelida visits a local woman, Gertrude Solis, whose house is said to be haunted by the specter of a friar. Upon entering Gertrudis's chamber, 
Adelaida sees a life-size portrait of a wounded priest upon the wall, which prompts Gertrudis to relate the origin of the portrait. Many years prior, Gertrudis explains, her family sent her to a convent overseen by a priest named Joaquin Gonzaga. When Gonzaga sexually assaulted Gertrudis, her fellow nun Anastasia interrupted the act, giving Gertrudis a tile scraper that she then used to stab and kill Gonzaga. With the help of an accomplice who, like Gonzaga, lusted after Gertrudis, Anastasia hid Gonzaga's body. She then poisoned her accomplice to cover up the deed, but it is eventually discovered. The focus on male lust and its disastrous consequences becomes clear through Addis's critiques of male sexual license. She references, for instance, the fate of Constance de Beverly, whose breaking of her religious vows led to her live entombment, noting that, quote, the discovery is frequent in Mexico of such niches in walls of convents and even of churches wherein are found skeletons of women, end quote. Moreover, Anastasia consoles Gertrudes after the killing of Gonzaga by saying that there is, for men of his type, quote, no punishment too severe, no fate too cruel, end quote, since they, quote, live only for their passions, end quote. And in the present time, Gertrudes points toward the importance of female solidarity, saying to Adelaida, quote, I have found the love of men at best but a selfish passion, and only the affection of women true, devoted, and without self-interest, end quote. Once Gertrudis unburdens herself by telling her story, the portrait of Gonzaga crumbles to ash, further suggesting the safety and comfort of a world of solidarity among women. Two years following the publication of The Picture of the Priest, that story's feminist themes resurfaced in an even more forceful way in A Human Tigress, which is also set in Mexico, but this time features a femme fatale figure with claws like those of a jaguar who lures sexually threatening men to their gruesome deaths by insinuating a sexual encounter with them. Caught up in her courtroom battle with Stork, and later facing a series of different legal troubles, Addis never again wrote with such potency about the need to protect the rights of women at whatever cost. The final sad chapter in Addis's known life began in 1898 when she was arrested for criminal libel after a number of citizens of Santa Barbara received poison pen letters. One writer would later describe the letters as, quote, the most startling and obnoxious anonymous letters assailing the reputations of several men and women of good standing in their professional and social life, and of many young girls of gentle breeding, tender years, and modest conduct, end quote. Addis maintained her innocence alleging that a group of prominent men in Santa Barbara, including her ex-husband and her divorce attorney, Grant Jackson, had conspired to frame her. She was not permitted to present any evidence of a conspiracy, however, and the jury convicted her after a lengthy and very public trial. The night before sentencing, Addis's divorce attorney, Grant Jackson, one of the men she accused of conspiring against her, awoke to find Addis in his bedroom, quote, armed with two pistols, a bottle of chloroform, another of prussic acid and potassium, a glass cutter, and a putty knife, two strips of narrow bunting, eight or ten feet long, and a liberal supply of cartridges, matches, and string, end quote. Addis was arrested after a struggle. The incident doubtless did not help her at her sentencing the next morning, when she was sentenced to a year in jail on the libel charge. 
with the judge declaring that he would imprison her for longer if he could. At her arraignment for attempted murder in the afternoon, Addis shocked all present by declaring that she and Jackson were husband and wife, having been married by contract. Jackson, like Downey before him, denied the relationship. The attempted murder charge against Addis was ultimately dropped, but in the meantime, Addis began serving her one-year sentence for libel. Not one to be idle, Addis, while imprisoned and without the assistance of counsel, petitioned for a rehearing on the libel charge and won. In May 1900, the court ordered a new trial on the basis that the lower court had erred in excluding certain handwriting evidence. Whatever vindication Addis may have felt from the court's decision, however, it had little practical effect. She was only days away from finishing her sentence, and a second trial never occurred. Perhaps more significantly, her reputation was irretrievably destroyed. In the press, she was portrayed as evil and unhinged. Rumors swirled that she was responsible for all manner of ills that plagued Santa Barbara, from dog poisonings to double murder. Back in Mexico City, the two republics, her former employer, published an article claiming that she had once fired a warning shot at a fiddler whose playing annoyed her. The writer who was once hailed as the, quote, bright particular star, end quote, of Los Angeles was now blisteringly described in one article as a, quote, dangerous, malignant, and pestiferous little woman, end quote. After her release from jail, Addis, only 43 years old, abruptly disappeared. She was not missing in any official sense, but her name no longer appeared in newspapers or public records. One popular but unconfirmed rumor was that Addis's ex-husband, Charles Stork, had her committed to an asylum. Some say that she died there, others say that she escaped, never to be heard from again. Still another theory was that she returned to Mexico, where she had family. Based on my knowledge of Addis's family and its history, I believe that Addis likely lived for another 40 years. By 1910, she was living in San Antonio with her mother and her aunt under the name Mrs. Adelaida Hillis Jackson. That's Adelaida, as in the narrator of The Picture of the Priest, spelled A-D-E-L-A-Y-D-A, mirroring Addis's unusual spelling of Ida, Y-D-A, Hillis, which was Addis's middle name, and Jackson, as in Grant Jackson, to whom she had claimed to be married back in California. Adelaida H. Jackson worked as a private secretary to a banker in San Antonio and, beginning in 1912, served briefly as the secretary for the Board of Trade in Laredo, Texas. After that, her fortunes appear to have diminished. In 1920, she lived in a complex in southeast San Antonio that offered rooms in exchange for light housekeeping. In 1930, she was working as a maid. By the end of that year, she had been adjudged insane by reason of paranoia and committed to the San Antonio State Hospital. Jackson died of cancer at the hospital on June 16, 1941, 10 years after her commitment. To date, there was no evidence that she published anything during the last 40 years of her life. The revelations about Ida Addis's slash Adelaida Jackson's final days 
confirm our assessment of her as a case of promise only partially fulfilled. Her writing career effectively ended many years prior to her leaving the state in which she gained both popularity and notoriety. And the final stage of her life, the complete mystery before the aforementioned recent discoveries, left scholars wondering about the fate of the woman who was not only the subject of countless newspaper headlines, but was also once important enough to California's literary scene to be included in the San Franciscan Women's Literary Exhibit at the 1893 World's Fair. For those interested in Addis's biography, you can find more information on her life in the aforementioned publications, as well as in the blog for the Workman and Temple Family Homestead Museum, located in City of Industry, California. The Homestead Museum blog has published in a 13-part series information on, among other things, Addis's divorce case, her criminal libel trial, and her lookalike half-sister, Maud. The blog also published a piece titled The Second Life of Ida Addis, which details the process by which the mystery of Addis's final days was virtually solved. You can visit homesteadmuseum.blog for more information. And for those interested in studying Addis's literature, we recommend starting with The Wailing Woman, The Human Tigress, and The Picture of the Priest, as those works bring together three of Addis's strengths cross cultural content, feminist themes, and Gothic conventions. A reprint of The Wailing Woman is available in Volume 36, Number 1, from 2019, of Legacy, a journal of American women writers. And you can find a reprint of The Human Tigress in Volume 5, Number 2, from 2017, of J19, the journal of 19th century Americanists. As for The Picture of the Priest, published in 1891, it appears in two parts in the June 15th and June 22nd issues of the San Francisco Argonaut. We hope you will seek out the work of this fascinating writer, whose life story may indeed be stranger than the Gothic fiction for which we think she should be remembered. Thank you for listening. We are a production of C19, the Society of 19th Century Americanists. If you enjoyed this episode or have thoughts, use the hashtag C19podcast on Twitter or get in touch with us at C19podcast at gmail.com. Have an idea for an episode? For details on submitting a proposal, check out our CFP on the C19 website.